Welcome to another special Christmas holiday edition of 30 Rack of Sports. My name is Greg. To my left, a man who is about as frosty and cool when you try to talk to him as Frosty the Snowman. It's Zach. Zach, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great, Greg. I, first of all, my favorite introduction of me so far. That was pretty good. So, yeah. Do me next. <laughs> Well, to my right is a guy that has a nice little muffin top because no one likes the skinny Santa. <laughs> On the ones and twos is Josh. Josh, how are we doing this lovely holiday season? I'm doing fantastic this holiday season. Thank you. Uh, the muffin top's smaller than it was last year, so I'm doing great, He's man. looking good, man. Yeah, Let's pick yeah. on him. Yeah, I know, man. I got, oh, you got your shrimp. I see your little muffin top. <laughs> Oh, man, we've got a uh, fantastic. This is our first special edition episode that we're ever doing on 30 Rack of Sports. So a, a big moment here this holiday season for us in the 30 Rack family. It is. Yeah. So uh, first off on this wonderful holiday season, we just want to talk about how thankful we are for for our tens of listeners that we have, whether it be here, Colorado, or even our one listener that I think accidentally clicked on the link from the Netherlands. Uh we're very thankful for you, but uh, we're going to go in, guys. We're going to talk about what we're thankful for from Ohio. We're actually going to do a little countdown of the 20 best Ohio sports moment of the last decade since we're wrapping up the decade here. We're going um, to the 20s, so we got to look at the the 20 best from the past decade. From the 10s. Uh, you know, a lot of – some good, uh, a lot of – a lot of bad. Yeah, there a lot was of bad, a lot of bad. As there, yeah. as there is in, you know, well, a we, lot of the uh, Ohio sports. We talked about doing, like, a, a year in review highlight show, but, like... There weren't a whole lot of highlights. Yeah, that'd be a pretty short show. This isn't going to be a shorter show than we're used to, but uh, yeah, uh, a year un- in review, Unfortunately, uh, yeah. no Ohio beer for this. We, we just finished taping episode eight, so we've just got our Bud Light Tall Boys. As you know, we need a couple beers what? to even re- review... Well, the hey. good moments, because there are so many bad moments associated with them. And Anheuser-Busch, uh, Columbus, man. So yeah, we're in Columbus. These Bud Lights could be from Ohio. These Bud Lights could be from Ohio. Well, we're going to start with some honorable mentions. Um, something that's also that's happy and also probably a giant pain in your side, Josh. We have the Bengals making five straight playoffs. Yeah, honorable mention number one, the Bengals making five straight playoffs, uh, which was fun. It was a good run. The reason this is an honorable mention is because uh, the Bengals did not win any of those playoff <laughs> games and uh, have not won a playoff game for the, quite a very, very, very long the time. The chances. You yeah, got five shots. Yeah. You figure you win one. At a lo- I feel like I could coach a team in like just one playoff game. Well, you might get lucky. When you don't get uh, Jeremy Hill fumble and then some shenanigans <laughs> oh, at the please. end there. So. Uh, We're not going to rehash this. We're going to move on. It's the holidays. We're in a holly jolly mood. So uh, the other honorable mention that we want to throw in, because if you've been listening to this podcast for more than one episode, you know we're Ohio guys. We're Big Mac guys. We love our Maction here. We love our Maction, whether love it's it, love it. basketball or football or anything else. So um, Ohio schools winning the Mac football championship 50% of the last decade, two each for Bowling Green and Miami, and one for the Rockets of Toledo. So 
It's honestly, I mean, I know about half the Mac is say, in Ohio. Percentagely speaking. But <laughs> should happen. It's, yeah. it's always cool to see, you know, the Mac schools win. Mac schools mm-hmm. go to some bigger bowls. You know, always love to see Ohio represent. I think that's one of the things we can all agree on. When you see the Ohio schools, and honestly, really, even the year that Northern Illinois made it to the big bowl, when you see the Mac schools in there, you're like, hell yeah, man. Let's see what right. we can do here. Right. Well, uh, let's uh, get into it at uh, number 20. All right, so at number 20, we have the prestigious Kelly Cup of the ECHL, basically AA hockey. The Cincinnati Cyclones in 2010 won the Kelly Cup. Uh, big win over the Idaho Steelheads. Uh, their second championship, uh, second in about the last four years, and if any of you were not in Cincinnati during that time, you know, it's one of those things that's kind of a cult following in, in the mm-hmm. Cincinnati area, but it got big. And I know I've been to a couple of the Kelly Cup games, and aside of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Night at the Cyclones game, it is about as packed as I've ever seen that crappy old uh, formerly known as U.S. Bank Arena Stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> As as we we made our remarks in our show we recorded previously about that stadium, but uh, back when the Cyclones were on those Kelly Cup, Kelly Cup runs, I mean this year they had a nice run to the uh, conference finals, um, and won that. Um, but yeah, the Kelly Cup's always fun. Mm-hmm. You get the that place rocking, do a few dollar beer nights, and they're just a great time to pack you know ten thousand into that stadium, fifteen thousand I think. Yeah, fifteen fifteen thousand plus. I mean you you have to you know during if most of, if some of you don't go to any of the Cyclones game, one they're a blast, and if you live in the area, certainly uh, you know during some of the nights you should go. But uh, you know usually the top section is mostly tarped off, but no, for those games they're all open. People are going crazy. You know. Like we said, it's it's twenty out of you know twenty on this list, but always great to see an Ohio sports team win yeah. a championship, whether it's you know pro or you know college or or even a double A you know hockey team. So it's something really cool to see and something really cool for the state. I'm gonna go, Josh. Yeah, no, I'm bumping stuff. Did around. they do parades? Did they get a parade? Uh, they didn't do a parade. Um, oh, we'll get to parades. Yeah, we'll, we'll, I know we'll get to parades. we'll get to parades eventually. They did not do a parade. I was just curious but, uh, that they do that. Yeah, go clones. Hopefully, we get another Kelly Cup here in the ECHL soon. So we'll see. Well, uh, next we're gonna move on to number nineteen. For number nineteen, we're actually gonna go back to a little bit of Maxion. You'll you'll see a theme early here of a uh, little Maxion and some hockey, but. The Akron Zips, who have a, actually a, a pretty talented soccer team, they do, won yeah. the national championship in soccer in 2010. Um, some MLS players have come out of Akron. Mm-hmm. I know a number of people, such as uh, Columbus captain Will Trapp, came out of that Akron system, and I believe was on that Akron championship team. So something really cool to see from the state. You know, obviously you see sometimes when they dominate in, you know, uh, basketball or football or something like that but cool to see one an ohio school and two maybe not one of the you know premier generic yeah. premier uh yeah ohio schools and to see akron get it done and, and you know get a championship for the state is, is something really cool to see i mean they they had a run i mean that was um i mean i don't know they've been to what they call the college cup i think about seven or eight times yeah and i, and, I know and a, like five in the last decade and that either was either one. last year or two years ago yeah. they were in it and they only lost off of a penalty kick um you right. mentioned yeah will trap was there off the bench uh the the big guy in that match was actually uh 
Darren Maddox, who's uh, with FC Cincinnati now, uh, he had three goals in the NCAA tournament, was kind of the leader of that Akron team yeah. uh, after transferring out of Jamaica. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's crazy to see, like, yeah, what we have, the history from back mm-hmm. then, because that was back in 2010, and to where those guys, a few of those guys have come and still today that are in Ohio cool. pro soccer. That's really cool, And yeah. it just goes to show you, and we'll talk about this more in the list, how much U.S. soccer has really been homegrown in Ohio here and how mm-hmm. much has expanded, so... Yeah, throwing the Akron Zips in there. Yeah. But no one expected we have Akron in here. No, on this I list. thought of it. I was like, we got to throw them. I mean, except it is really cool. I mean, they were considered one of the top college programs in the country. Akron. Yeah. Why would, would you think that? Thought? It's kind of like Kent State in baseball. Kent State's considered mm-hmm. like a very. Yeah, a very prestigious, prestigious baseball school. So pretty cool to see that. Number 18. Number 18, we have 2016, a championship in Cleveland. That's right. The <laughs> Cleveland Monsters, formerly known as the Lake Erie Monsters, winning the 2016 Calder Cup. And uh, this is one of those things where, you know, you just got to get in to win. Um, the Lake Erie Monsters, or actually they were known as Lake Erie at that time. The Lake Erie Monsters got in as the number two seed in the Central and were able to only lose two games. So... If you look at it, they won 15, only dropped two games on the way to their championship, including sweeping the uh, best team in the league, the Hershey Bears, 4 nothing for their first Calder Cup championship. And uh, and for people not listening, that, that's AHL, right? Yeah, that's, that's AHL. that's AAA. That's AAA okay. hockey. So, you know, uh, they are actually the AAA hockey team for the Columbus Blue Jackets. So they're kind of the guys that are, you know, either trying to stay with the Columbus team or, te- or you know, guys that are trying to work their way up. Mm-hmm. And I think you kind of saw that. And I think uh, another honorable mention that uh, I'm meant to bring up earlier that we didn't really get in, but uh, you saw coming in later after the 2016 team uh, last year's, you know, 2019 Blue Jackets team was the first Jackets team to make it out of the first round. Right. So, you know, it's and one of those things. the number one. Yeah, number one team. the number one team. So you the can lightning. certainly see, you know, not only was this a big time for Cleveland and, you know, for the state to have a winner, but also having the NHL team there, it kind of bumped them up and, and allowed them to get to where they are, you know, mm-hmm. where they at least were getting some talent kind of up through the pipeline. So it's certainly cool to see. Yeah, when you look at this, and yeah, I do apologize. We totally left out the Columbus Blue Jackets in the honorable mention there. Um, uh, yeah. But but this this championship, uh, like everyone in Cleveland got really, really excited about this. We talked about how much the city of Cincinnati rallies behind the Cyclones when they get into the postseason. Mm-hmm. Cleveland went nuts over oh, this. Yeah. And it happened in 2016, um, you know, other things happened in 2016 too that we'll get to on later. It was a fun list. year in Cleveland. And, that was a wild so it year. Yeah, off, aside of aside of one team, which we'll get to next, but it, you know, it set off a big <laughs> year in Cleveland, and it set off a chain of events with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, yeah. So yeah, it just goes to show again uh, some of these you know homegrown things in Ohio that we built mm-hmm. um, that are still lasting today. So certainly something cool to see, and uh, you know, certainly shows that you don't have to be a big time team in uh you know in ohio whether you're a akron soccer team or you're one of those low-level hockey teams or anything else to to kind of capture the heart of a city when you start to go on a run so uh josh i believe we're going to move on to number 17 number 17 we put in we got to throw in the browns here you know if anyone would have thrown a fit if we don't throw the browns in here it would have been me well yeah but uh looking at some of the 
one of the worst moments of the decade and one of the, you know, worst moments that I can remember as far as my sports life was that 0-16 season. I remember after Corey Coleman dropped that ball, I remember just laying on the ground for the next 20 minutes just contemplating life. But since then, you know, you get Baker Mayfield in the draft, you get some of the big pieces, and I know this year was supposed to be a little bit better than it than it turned out to be, but it's certainly something that brought hope to the city. We finally got the quarterback that right. we've been wanting. We finally got some talent, and I think it's certainly something that can breathe life into you know one of you know the city's honestly probably one of the state's teams that people mm-hmm. are most crazy about. I mean, Browns fans are unbelievably crazy you know dealing with some teams that we didn't so know. bad we had no idea for so long oh, yeah, no. you know uh bad. not no championships since 64 but still have you know some crazy fans if you guys haven't listened to this podcast and listen to me freak out there may be one that's talking right now the parade but. was really cool though i thought that was fun yeah. uh i thought it was cool the city kind of came out for that and um yeah sometimes i feel like you just kind of kind of own it you know, and they right, kind of owned right. it. We're like, yeah, you know what? Like, yeah, you know, we we were embarrassing, but hey, guess what? We're gonna we're gonna go out and you know celebrate it and yeah. say, hey, we're this team, and hopefully we get better from there. And thankfully, management has at least kind of shown some willingness to at least get better. That's why I wanted try. to include it on the list because yeah. it wasn't necessarily the Browns' zero and sixteen no. season in twenty seventeen that was the highlight. It was the parade, parade. afterwards where we said. It can only go up from here. Right, so we're going to celebrate. It's going to get better. Mayfield, you know, so we're we're celebrating the aftermath of that 2017-0-16 season. Definitely. Number 16. All righty, so in number 16, we have the 2010 Jay Bruce walk-off homer that gave the Reds the NL Central title. It was the... um, 45th come from behind win from that season and it helped them to That's clinch wow yeah helped them to clinch the title um he they were playing the mets in that game astros and, uh, or i'm sorry the astros to way off whoa before I, I the saw, astros made the move by the way i saw i yes. saw the mets and the astros in the article so um, this was before the this astros was right made before right before he got traded to the mets a couple years later yes. but yeah it was right before the astros made the move them to clinch it I believe it was over the Cardinals, get them to a big-time NL Central title. And though it didn't turn into much, it was something that really grasped the city. You know, it was a collection of some big-time players mm-hmm. that were able to make some big-time plays, right, Josh? Uh, yeah, I mean, that was one of those seasons that is really remarkable, especially when you con- contrast it to the Reds' regular record in these types of games, these one-run games that like have been the plague of recent seasons. In 2010, yeah. the Reds had 45 comeback wins. It was The Reds were the comeback kids of the MLB that year. And uh, to see Jay Bruce, I'll never forget where I was for that. Uh, I'll never forget uh, Marty Brenneman's call of that. I have, I, th- I think I could recite that. Um, Where were you? Uh, I was in my living room losing my mind with uh, my, the rest of my family, and uh, I've watched that countless times since then. It's one of the only Reds like highlights of my life, um, <laughs> as we've had only a couple winning seasons in my lifetime. I'll say a few. So yeah. yeah, it was just uh, you know. So the last time the Reds had clinched the division before that Jay Bruce walk-off, Jay Bruce was seven years old. So oh, able wow. to get yeah. the first of a, yeah. of a couple of uh, 
championship, you know, first a couple of uh, division titles for the Reds. So, Greg, you and I were a mere couple months old uh, at that point, you know. So it's it, it, that was that was one of my. That's probably that's not my favorite on the list, but definitely up there, I'd say. Yeah. So that's uh, at number sixteen. Number fifteen. So number 15 is one of those that I know is uh, near and dear to the man on my left, uh, Zach's heart, is the All-Star game from last year, uh, culminating in one of the best home run derbies ever, and then also the Shane Bieber All-Star game MVP. Of course, this All-Star game was played in the beautiful city of Cleveland, Ohio. Zach? Oh, yeah. It was, um, it was amazing. I, got, I went up. I, me and my dad went, um, and my brother. We didn't go. To any of the events don't have that kind of dough <laughs> but um just to be up there and be around it it was an amazing experience really cool showcase for the city um if you watch a lot of interviews and stuff from players and staffers who've been to multiple a lot of them said this was probably the best one they've ever been to um and then obviously like we talked about the home run derby i got to watch it in a bar right across the street really fun obviously I mean, I can't think of a better home run derby. Maybe think of the Josh Hamilton in New York, just because of all the different things that went into that. But yeah, uh, you had the uh, you had the Carlos Santana, the hometown kid, you know, right. doing some good stuff. But then you also had, uh, you know, Vlad Guerrero Jr. really mm-hmm. putting on a show, able to you know uh, get to the finals. Unfortunately, you know, Pete Alonso, though he didn't yeah. hit as many home runs, ended up taking it. But it was just one of those things that you just you know sometimes the home run derby. There aren't as many, you know, home runs. Sometimes, you know, guys are kind of getting through. Eh. You kind of you kind of lose focus. Yeah. But in this one, you were just glued to the TV because oh, yeah. it was so much oh, fun. Yeah. Was and so the whole fun. weekend in itself was just a blast. Fun. I mean, Shane Bieber obviously getting to be the All Star Game MVP. Um, the first one to be the home MVP since Sandy Alomar in the '97 All Star Game, um, which is also in Cleveland. And then. Also, another cool thing was uh, Carlos Santana getting to start at first base. You yeah, know, finally yes. coming back to Cleveland, and he was really emotional about it because he loves Cleveland, and um, that was a really cool moment. It was just a really overall great weekend, I think, for the city um, in what ultimately was a bit of a disappointing season, the way it ended, um, but I thought it was a really cool moment. and Definitely, I, honestly, I think just emotionally speaking, probably – one of my favorites if not you know maybe number two yeah, my favorites for that home run derby yeah. the all-star game was great too but that home run derby man was, right was so so thrilling it was it was great all around good job by the city and major league baseball yeah and hopefully something that you know we get to see again i think uh you know in the last 10 years uh some good shows being put on by both ohio stadiums well, this, so yeah we'll get to the other one something good that we'll yeah. see soon number 14 uh number 14 we have uh our Cincinnati Bearcats uh, going to nine straight NCAA tournaments. And uh, right now, it might be in jeopardy, but so far, nine straight, which is the fifth longest streak. Uh, you know, maybe not culminating in exactly what we wanted. Uh, you know, only one Sweet 16, some very heartbreaking losses, like against uh, Nevada, as what comes to mind. But just honestly, an awesome streak in general, because though there was some heartbreak, you know. Making it to nine straight tournaments is just super impressive. And honestly, for a fan, it's just so cool to be able to have your team go to the tournament, be able to flip on the game, whether it's, you know, Thursday afternoon or Friday night, and just have that emotion of getting to the team and, you know, letting your ticket get punched. And, you know, a number of times in there, they won the conference tournament. So it was just 
it was just a really good ride overall. And I know sometimes we get caught up on the final results of, you know, losing here and losing there. But overall, you know, a very impressive mm-hmm. performance off <clears throat> such a long stretch of time. Fifth all time, right? Yeah, it's, uh, that's the fifth longest streak. And when you look at it, when you look at it from a decade perspective and the Bearcats mm-hmm. in the last decade, they're only one of five schools to have that type of dominance of at least making the NCAA tournament. The only other schools that have these type of streaks are UNC, Duke, Gonzaga, uh, Kansas, Kansas, and that's it. Yeah, you're blue the, bloods. The, really. the, the, those are the only other four that have that type of streak yeah. uh, continuing throughout this decade of the 2010s. So when you look at that, yeah, yes, the Bearcats have not won those games. Yes, it's been disappointing outcomes largely, but I think uh, you know you reestablish yourselves as you know mm-hmm. a blue blood. You're still a basketball school. You know, yeah. say what you will about like the fallout of the you know leaving the Huggins era, and say what you will about McCrone, and say what you will now. Yeah, yes, it's in jeopardy now, but uh, as far as the 2010s go. You're still a blue blood basketball school. Oh, yeah, it was a great run. It was fun. Um, we were all obviously in school for that run, uh, you know, That's portion true, yeah. of that run. We were run. going to UC for that and run. And it was, it was really fun because I, especially for me in a way, because it was kind of like, I was a huge Iowa State fan, but it was cool to go to a school that I wanted to go to a big school that, um, you know, had big sports programs because it's fun to go. Yeah, it's fun, it's fun to stuff. go, fun to support. And it's yeah. one of those things that, you know, it's fun to have the whole group around and say, Hey, you know, we're gonna go out to a bar. Hey, we're gonna order some food and watch the, the you know, the tournament game and whatnot. Yeah. yeah, and it was cool because I came in right after the great Brian Kelly run, and fo- so I missed right. the big football bowl yeah. games. And so, you know, kind of at least have that. And ba- and UC is a basketball school. It is. Yeah, it is, that's yes. what it is. And so, no, it was a great run. And once again, another thing that you know, I think Cronin never really got a lot of credit for, undeservedly in some ways. Yeah. So it's certainly something that's big, but. Uh, Switching gears to another sport, but another long streak in the state of Ohio. Number 13. We have the eight straight wins of the game against uh, Michigan. Buckeyes have won eight straight games, the longest streak in school history. And I think we're all kind of in agreement here. It's been a little bit more than eight wins it's been at least in the last few years several dominations well, in a row. yeah i mean and, and honestly in my opinion you can take out the 2011 loss i mean you have luke fickle just trying to get yeah. through this season um but you know whatever we'll count it we'll give him one um give him one for the khakis for the khaki um well that was uh that was Brady. Yeah, Brady. No, that was the Brady. Hoaxer, I'm just saying, I'm just saying now you're not going to get one oh, now yeah, with the khakis yeah, yeah. So now, give them it's, that one. um i love it and then, you know, it sucks though, kind of in some ways. You just, uh, you know, people are really you wish it was downgrading the rivalry a little bit. And I don't care. I love watching blowouts, but I do get it from other people's perspectives. And it, it there's been a few close games. I mean, people forget the two point conversion. Yeah, yeah, you know, the pickoff there in Yo, fourteen, yeah. and yeah. yeah, there was that, and then there was games. the uh, the overtime where they weren't sure if it was over the line oh, or the, not. The, the the yeah, he was there. JT yeah, got I, the first down. I think the one thing I'd uh, like to see moving into the 2020s is that, like, like in 2000, at the mm-hmm. at the Millennium, uh, ESPN said that the game Ohio State versus Michigan was the greatest sports rivalry in North America. Right. And that was coming off of, you know, three decades, the 70s, 80s, and 90s of just straight, like, 
And Michigan had a run in there because John Cooper, but they're still great games. Yeah, yeah, they were insane games. Well, they were great games, and then both teams had had some, you know, championships. You know, Michigan had had one in the late 1990s. Ohio State had one in the early 2000s. So it's one of those things that, you know, you like to see if you're an Ohio State fan to have that kind of dominance, but you do like to see a good rivalry to some degree. You just yeah. don't, you so, just yeah. don't want to sacrifice I, I, wins I'd for hope, it. Right? I'd, I'd hope in the 2020s, like in the 2010s, it's been marked by like dominance by Ohio State, and even the close games, they've more been marked by like close calls and yeah. more controversial things. I'd love to return in the 2020s to just you straight, know straight ground, like yeah. intense like. You know, this is for the Big Ten East or whatever or whatever it comes right, into. Right, a lot of the times those games, I mean, even if Michigan beat Ohio State, it wasn't like they were going. Well, yeah, and it was, it was like someone in the, else in the 70s, go. 80s, even a little bit in the 90s and the 2000s, yeah, you know, it was to determine who would go to the Rose Bowl. Mm. It was often determined who would go to the national championship game, who would win the Big Ten. Like, yeah. 06, you know, one yeah, versus two. Exactly, Probably yeah. Probably one of the wildest games you'll ever see. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. So, like, if we could return to more of that in 2020, oh, I'd, I'd love hope. It. But, yeah. yeah, the, the eight State continues to win. The eight straight <laughs> against the team up north comes in at number 13 on our best 20 best moments of Ohio sports in this decade. Number 12. All right, shifting back to uh, the hard court in college basketball, the 2012 NCAA Sweet 16, which featured four Ohio teams in Ohio State, Cincinnati, Xavier, and OU. So was certainly a wild time in there. I believe it's one of the few times that they've had four teams from the I believe it's the first time That's that they the had time. Yeah. four teams from the same state make it to the Sweet 16. So a quarter of the Sweet 16 was those teams. You look at it, you have Ohio State was obviously a two seed. Yep. You know, kind of rolling through, you had Cincinnati who uh you know, was able to beat Texas and then upset Florida State. You had uh, Xavier as a 10 seed, able to beat the 7 seed, and then able to kind of be the beneficiary of a Lehigh upset uh, over Duke and then beat Lehigh and able, you know, kind of lost a close game there. And then OU, who uh, beat Michigan and then was able to beat yeah. South Florida. And then I believe it took uh, number one Kansas kind of down to the they wire. Did. Yeah, yes. they did. So yeah. Who would actually was, go on to beat Ohio State by uh, two. So yeah, they they took So it was certainly yeah. something that was just cool to see in the state because it wasn't one of those things where you know you get part of the state's kind of locked in and part of mm-hmm. the state's kind of not, you know. You look at Ohio State and OU and you know Cincinnati and Xavier fans, you got those all over the state. So right. everybody was locked in and I remember how big of a deal cuz in the Sweet 16, you know, kind of unfortunately cuz you'd love to see Ohio Ohio teams move through. Yeah. You had the Ohio State Cincinnati game, but I remember that being just such a big game around the oh, state. Oh yeah, it was fun. And though Ohio State kind of you know ended up getting to the I think it was a twelve point you know mm-hmm. win. It was such a close game and such a back and forth game, and just honestly a really fun game for the state in general. Yeah, that that was one of my favorite March Madness games yeah. ever, just because it was so it, it was just so that, that that March Madness was just so fun, and you hoped for so many interstate matchups. Oh yeah, you got you got the Ohio State Cincinnati one, and it was such a great game for most of it. That um, really reignited the rivalry, though. People yeah. forget they hadn't played, and you know, they haven't they hadn't played since the national championship game way back in the sixties. So they played three in a row. Ohio State won one, UC won two, and Ohio State pretty much refused to play right and then that was the first time they played and now they're kind of you know with the new coaches and their holtman's pretty big on it and i think that's really fun but yeah i mean that was the first time in our lifetime they played 
so, each other. Oh, it was yeah. really cool. Yeah, it was, yeah, that's it was right. Intense. It was a first in our lifetime. It was so, intense. Yeah. I remember, I mean, obviously I was on campus and people were jacked up about it because everybody feels slight, slighted yeah, by Ohio it, State. Right, people exactly. were amped about it. So yeah, really that's cool. That's number twelve on our list, and uh, yeah, that's that's one of my favorites mm. just because it showed like us as, and I think we talk about it all the time on the show, getting back to something that Indiana has with their you know yeah. interstate cross town tournament and everything. Yeah, if and it's we honestly, could get that here in Ohio, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it's honestly fun, and I know I'm a UC fan. I'm not really an Ohio State fan. I'm certainly not a Xavier fan. Well, yeah, but nobody is. You look at just having the Ohio teams have some success and being able to, because the one thing is if they're doing well in the tournament, if you're doing well in the tournament, it's just fun because everybody's still locked in. You know, people are talking about it. Ohio, you know, Cincinnati, Ohio State, all those places are a point of attention because you say, look at all these Ohio teams doing well. It's just something really cool for the whole state. My parents are really into it because they're OU alums. So they, they were really into that too. And that was really fun for a small school like OU. Yeah. The other three had right. basketball success. For OU, that was really cool. Just kind of shot out of nowhere. Um, and I think, it, I think it was a great show that Ohio, in my opinion, produces the best pass. I mean, yeah. there's the most yes. depth here, I think, year after year. I, I think just, the mid. I really mean, if is. you go to the, the Midwest, Midwest in general, you get yeah. Indiana, Chicago, Indiana. Yeah, you get Indiana, Ohio, you get Ohio, Michigan, a little all bit that northern Kentucky sliver. Yeah, it's, um, that was really cool. That was a really fun year. All right, so we're going to move on. Getting close to the top 10. Yeah. Near the top 10, Josh, what are we at right now? Number 11. So at number 11, we're kind of going through the whole first uh, year and a half or so, the creation of FCC, FC Cincinnati, and their uh, U.S. Open Cup run to the finals where they ultimately lost to the New York Red Bulls, but certainly a, a big time in the city. You know, they were one of those teams that had kind of gotten a team into the USL and were one of those teams that just ended up blowing up. And it was amazing to see that they were, you know, one of the top drawing teams in the entire country, even though they were in a lower league, they were getting, you know, 30 plus thousand people to a lot of the different games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even when you look on, on some of the ES, the games that got games of the week for the USL that got picked up on ESPN, I'm pretty sure they still are doing that actually. Um, but you, yeah, they do a lot of ESPN Plus now. For okay, that. yeah. But at the time, like, some of those games were the most watched uh, game soccer games in mm-hmm. North America. Um, and then even attendance-wise were the same. Some of the most attended uh, U.S. soccer games. I know there, there were three or four weeks where they were the most attended. FCC had the most attended games out of any league in North America. And it's basically like a AAA baseball team right. out, you know, out drawing major league baseball teams or right. stuff I mean, like that that, that so, season yeah. definitely i mean that not that the reds were doing much but you consistently saw this division two soccer team out drawing even half the time you, they would double the reds attendance yeah um and so it was great to see how much that grew how quickly it grew how ingrained in the city it was and you know how the ownership group really listened to the fans and everything and then yeah the U.S. Open Cup run in 2017 is one of the most magical things I think you'll ever see. And I'll never forget the game against the Chicago Fire 
And like I said earlier with the Reds things, I haven't had a lot of opportunities <laughs> to get like really incredible things, especially to see them in person. Yeah. As far as witnessing things in person, I think that is my f- all-time like favorite moment that I have witnessed in person because it came down to penalty kicks, mm-hmm. because it came down to penalty kicks against the Chicago Fire, who was a league above us, who had a former uh, World Cup champion captain on their team, mm-hmm. you know, for, for us to pull that off, for us to block all of those penalty kicks. Um, and then I remember we were only sitting about four rows up from the side they were taking the penalty kicks on, and Jimmy McLaughlin for FC Cincinnati just runs over afterwards with his shirt off and just screams right into our face. And it was just that much passion and that much energy and a win I have never experienced that in person before, and I know it's just Division II soccer, but to have it happen on national TV, on ESPN, to be there in person, um, you know, it's really unique, I think. In our next one, we're going to touch on soccer, too. Um, It's really unique when you see the city come together to defend what some people think is such an arbitrary thing. You know, Mm -hmm. soccer isn't the big thing in America. To see a city come together and rally around behind that is so cool. That's why I think that's one of the, you know, I know some people might be like, oh, you guys have soccer near the top 10 of your list. Like, really is cool when you experience yeah, oh, that. Yeah. So. All right. So uh, now we're going to move into the top 10 and talk about some real soccer teams in the state. <laughs> oh, I'm, I hear you. Mm. Hey, they're both real now. They're both in the MLS. I so. guess they're both real now. <laughs> so we'll we're see. moving on. You know to- what is real is hell. Hell is real. <laughs> uh, and number 10. So number 10 is a more of a movement and less of a game or less of an exact moment, and it's the Save the Crew movement in the city of Columbus. The Columbus Crew, one of the founding members of the MLS, actually got into the MLS because there was a basically a contest to see who could sell 10,000 uh, season tickets the quickest, and Columbus was the first city to do that. So they were able to get the MLS team. Well, when the team was sold from the original owners, the Hunt family who owns mm-hmm. the Chiefs, to Precourt, uh, Anthony Precourt, there was a basically a clause in there that said you couldn't move the team, you couldn't do this, unless it was to Austin in so many years. So in the uh, middle of 2017, there something came out that uh, Anthony Precourt wanted to move the team to Austin, was already preparing, trying to get stadium funding and everything else in Austin for the team. So it became a whole movement for Columbus, and it was the Save the Crew movement, and they were working really hard, you know, going to city council meetings, trying to get, you know, new stadiums, new this, and it became something that enveloped the city. And as someone that lived in Columbus during the time, it turned into a real movement to the point where I went to some of the playoff games, and they were actually trying to cut the sound from some of the fans because they were screaming at pre you know there was fuck you pre-court cheers coming from the stands and it eventually uh ended up in 2018 with the haslam family who uh regularly mismanages the browns to buy the team and get them a new stadium so it was one of those things where you rarely hear a city being able to make their voice heard enough to keep a team in a you know in a league and i know you know, some of the people in the top of the league were fine with them moving because, you know, attendance had been up and down, but it was something that the city 
came together for so much and was able to keep the team in the town. They're so going to get a new stadium, too, which would be really cool. Downtown, yeah, I mean, you, so. yeah, with the arena district and everything. Yeah. And, and look, say what you will about, uh, I mean, you know, American fans, sports fans will feel how they will about the MLS and about soccer in general. And, you know, say what you will about the MLS nowadays is really cracking down on, you know, political movements from fans and right. everything. But in the case of FC Cincinnati and our number 11 moment of the decade, or number 10 moment of the decade in the crew, uh, you really see communities come together. And I think that mm -hmm. is what sports in general are about. And I think, like I said, say what you will about soccer, but communities really get behind and bond together with teams. And I have to commend both the FC Cincinnati and especially the Columbus crew for listening to the fans and for the fans to build these movements. And it's on, really cool. Honestly, yeah. it's built, you know, uh, I know a lot of people talk about, you know, in soccer circles, some of the best rivalries being El Trafico, which is now the two Los Angeles teams, and then some of the Pacific Northwest teams. But one of the bigger rivalries is the Hell is Real Derby, which is FC Cincinnati and the Columbus crew. And if the fans wouldn't have got it behind this, you know, neither of the teams would probably be in the MLS. FC Cincinnati would still be a middling USL team, and the crew would be in Austin. I mean, it makes so. sense. It's a great rivalry right up the road there. It's really cool. Yeah, I mean, I mean it makes it's, all it, of it's sense a great. In the world. It's one of the great things that we. I, that's why I think it's great that we coupled this at number eleven and number ten, well, yeah. because we have this great Ohio soccer rivalry rivalry now that we can look forward to at least twice a year. All right, so now we're gonna move from soccer into baseball going on to number nine so number nine we have the unfortunately a little bit sad because he just got traded but we have the two um cory kluber cy youngs in both 2014 and 2017 and you know coming before 2014 he was kind of one of those you know pitchers that had kind of been picked up kind of middling up and down and then he just turned into one of the most dominant aces in the league over the course of honestly he was you know top 10 in those years between one of the best pitchers in the league over that you know several year span oh i mean yeah i mean uh the thing about him was at the time when the indians received him from the padres in a three-team trade with st louis and san diego the indians sent westbrook old jake westbrook uh throwing out an old name out there to the cardinals and ryan ludwig uh to the padres Jeez. he was a yeah, I know, right? Throwing out some old names there. He was a throw-in, and at the time, he was not even a 30. He was not in the Padres' top 30-ranked prospects. He was 18 and 24 career. Uh, I think he was at double-A at the time. And he played, you know, four years of college, so he was an older guy. Um, one, I think what that shows and what those, you know, like Greg said, I mean, it's not just the two years he won. I mean, uh, I think in 15 and 16, he was also top three in Cy Young those years. Yep. Um, and so... Obviously a great run for Indian space, but I think what he's like the pillar of and what we've seen with Clevenger and all these other guys is the Indians' ability to find these pitchers and turn them into studs. Um, obviously, sad day today to hear that he's gone. I'm not surprised. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what in, you know, Klubot or Corey Kluber, I mean, he was the same guy day in, day out, but you hear guys like Clevenger or even Bowers said, I learned a lot about being a professional from him and just you do your job, same routine, all these different kinds of things. Um, he's had a very big wrinkle in that organization and a guy like Trevor Bauer who's had right. some issues. Uh, but, you know, go back to those years, he 
probably the most dominant pitcher. I mean, in that four-year, five-year span there, uh, up till probably last year, you know, he was instrumental. He carried that team on his back in 16. Oh, yeah. Oh, so even, even for the decade, I mean, through 20, from 2014 to 2018, he yeah. finished in the Cy Young Award in the top 10 votes mm-hmm. every single one of those yeah, years. Yeah, so looking yeah. at it, you had he won the Cy Young in 14, 15. He didn't get a whole lot of run support, so and the ERA was up a little bit. Yeah. So he was only he was only a paltry ninth in Cy Young, mm-hmm. and then was third, uh, first in Cy Young, and got some MVP votes, and then was third in Cy Young again in 2018. Okay. So, so yeah. it was a five-year run where he was the top ten pitcher, really in the league, three, but probably yeah. Yeah, top five pitcher in the league during those yeah. five years. Three-time All Star in that span All-Star, too. I mean, yeah. had the most wins in 2014, most wins in 2018. ERA uh, leader in 17. Had, uh, both of those years, he led in FIP. For those of mm-hmm. you that don't know what FIP is, it's uh, basically a stat measuring a pitcher's effectiveness to limit home runs and walks um, and increase strikeouts. So basically, what it is is it's called fielding independent pitching, and it's one of those things that deals with more of the three true outcomes which is walks strikeouts and home runs and it basically helps to normalize whether you have a good defense Mm -hmm. or or bad defense. basically everybody has an average defense and that basically measures it Corey kluber finished in the top five for fip in each of those years so yeah yeah, i mean just a dominant run by a guy um meant a lot to cleveland you know cleveland's had that kind of run uh with some of these guys you know cc started it with the cy young because no one had won a cy young for cleveland um before CC, uh, the previous ones, Burt Blylevin, I think that was 1981. Um, so he just continued, you know, back to back, Cy Young. So obviously, wish him all the best in Texas, except when uh, they match up with the tribe. Be interesting to see how he does uh, down in Texas. Uh, we're in yeah. the top 10 now of our uh, top 20 moments as we move into the 2020s. We're counting down the 20 best Ohio sports moments from the last decade. Uh, that was number nine. We are now at number eight. Number eight, we have another All-Star Game moment. As we mentioned, uh, two great All-Star Games in the state of Ohio during the 2010s. Well, this one was 2015 when the All-Star Game was in Cincinnati. This one, the Home Run Derby, having the uh, the hometown red Todd Frazier winning the Home Run Derby. He kind of came from behind. Uh, won you know a round or two and then ended up winning the whole thing and it was kind of a big deal for Cincinnati you know the team had kind of been up and down at that point but having a guy to win the home run derby got the you know the city just that much more excited about the team and the game and you know for an overall great all-star weekend for the city it was kind of a good cherry on top to have the hometown kid kind of win the game or win the derby. It was definitely when Todd Frazier was still in his prime. I mean, the previous year he had finished runner up to uh, Cespedes, um, but then yeah, this year, that year he had become the uh, the third Reds player to win the home run derby behind uh, Dave Parker and Eric Davis. Um, but yeah, super cool. You know, it was down year for Cincinnati, uh, but Cincinnati really put on for the All Star game, and then to see Todd Frazier win it at home, and to see how crazy the stadium went, to see how Todd Frazier. How happy he was oh, to was win insane. it for the for yeah. the city, you know. Um, it it was cool. It's cool to see when both the Ohio All Star games that happened, a hometown mm-hmm. guy won, won something. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, you, that's what I was just thinking. I was like, that was really cool. You very, very, very rarely get that. It's only oh, yeah. happened the home run winner uh, winning at home has only happened three times. 
Um, All-Star game home run winner, I think is only MVP. Uh, MVP has only happened twice. I think it's I the Indian. I think in 97, yeah. Sandy. Yeah, I think you're right. But yeah, I remember watching that on uh, on TV and that home, you know, the bars were going crazy. I mean, it was electric watching uh, that go down. Oh, that yeah. Todd Frazier run. The was crowd crazy. was chanting, let's go, Frazier. He yeah. was sitting on eight home runs behind, uh, and he only had, this was back uh, when. Uh, I think no, I think it was was the first year, first or second yeah, year the they reformatted. Yeah, was the first or second year of the, the mm-hmm. time. So he only had 11 seconds and he needed a couple more. Uh number 9 came and then home run number 10, he got just as home uh, as time expired, which is crazy to think that he yeah. won it with 10 after we had the home run derby we had this season in <laughs> right. Cleveland. Um but it was, yeah, it was that was, was fun. It was really good it to see. It was a that. good thing for the city and um I was bummed I didn't really get to go down to this, you know, just because yeah, of work. Right. And I'm like, that's why I made sure when I was in Cleveland this year, I'm like, we, we got to go at least be around it. Um, but everything I heard was amazing down yeah. there. And yeah, I know. I went to the uh, I went to the Futures game mm-hmm. and the, the you know, the celebrity game there, the, the cheapest of all the stuff. But yeah. it was still really cool to see all the people come out and, you know, everything that they kind of did around the stadium. You got to see kind of the precursor on that sunday so yeah it was very cool to honestly see everything and see how much the city kind of you know rallied around well, cincinnati's a bit the baseball town yeah it's it is it's like st louis um so obviously they came out for it and it was that had just the todd frazier thing was i just remember watching that on tv and just i mean yeah. we were up in clifton uh watching it on tv up there and i just i mean you could almost like hear it all the way up in clifton like just the crowd was going nuts really cool great night for cincinnati that's number eight moving on to a joint number seven so number seven we're doing another joint like we did with the um kluber cy youngs we have both of the undefeated seasons of the last decade uh we have the 2012 season where they unfortunately did not get to play in any bowl games and then also the season that we're currently in in you know 12 and 0 in 2012 and right now 13 and 0 in 2019 and it's one of those that you can Certainly see the excitement for the Buckeyes rise all across the state when they start to go on runs like this. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, the funny thing about both of those is is that 12 was Urban's first year, and this is Ryan Day's first year, so it's kind of a little bit of a circle as we go. Um, I kind of more and more focus, obviously, on the 12. We've talked a lot about the 19 season on the show. It's not done yet. Um, One quick point I want to think, I think you're going to see a very angry football team against Clemson right now um, based on, all, hey, everybody's picking Clemson. You're an underdog. And a lot of those guys are, like, J.K. Dobbins made known. He's pissed that he got snubbed on these awards and thinks he deserved some awards. So interesting to see how that works out. But I think the 2012 season was really different. Um, I remember that going into that. Obviously, everybody's excited with Urban Meyer. But, you know, Jim Trussell was a very well-beloved coach and you know kind of how all that really went down and it was embarrassing and it was a stain on the program and then Luke Fickle did his best but the guy just was just trying to get through that what ended up being a six six and and seven yeah and they lost to Florida and like the Gator Bowl it was it was rough and it was one of those after all that stuff happened I mean he was kind of playing with a you know with a sack deck against him yeah exactly Exactly, and then um, you know they hired Urban. Everybody was excited, and I remember reading all the articles and watching all the stuff. You know, after spring practice, and man, he was straight on. As I remember him saying, you know, this team isn't, they're not good. We don't have the talent here to win. You know, guys need to step. I mean, he, I mean, that's stuff you don't hear from Jim Trussell. I remember people were like, oh, 
man. But what those guys were able to do and come out and go 12-0, and I think is a testament to them. Like, Ermeyer still says, I say, those guys were not the most talented, but they wanted it more. Um, and also to cap off to beat Michigan 26-21 when they were playing to be the, yeah, the yeah. Legends division leader just was a nice little nail in the coffin. Um, you know, they finished number three in the AP poll. Um, probably would have got in over Notre Dame if they had been eligible, which I don't know if we would have wanted to after Notre Dame got waxed. Yeah. Um, one thing I would tell anybody, if you've never seen it, go online on YouTube. There's uh, Stacy um, Elliott. Uh, Zeke Elliott's dad recorded um, the next year's when they recruited Zeke um, as a speech by uh, Kerry Combs, who was a fiery cornerbacks uh, coach who's now Tennessee Titans. Um, his speech about the 2012 team and why you should come to Iowa State, find that, watch that, you'll run and run through a brick wall. But um, overall, yeah, I mean, that's to me, the 12 was just, this is just different. We'll see about 2019. Yeah, we'll I'm see. still waiting. That's why I'm saying, let's, let's see. I'm, I'm confident, but we'll find out. All right, well, we're almost to our top five. One more before we get to that at number six. All right, number six, uh, once again, going back to baseball, a big moment in Cincinnati. You know, we mentioned uh, the Jay Bruce home run to get them to the playoffs, but the real stalwart that kind of helped them get to that first playoff uh, series in a number of years was the 2010 NL MVP Joey Votto uh, getting the Reds their first MVP since Barry Larkin in 1995 and was kind of, you know, one of the first couple of years of a coming out party for Joey Votto, who's mm-hmm. just been shown to be one of the, you know, best professional hitters that the decades kind of had. And I know he doesn't quite have the power of, you know, a Miguel Cabrera and, you know, Albert Pujols, but he's been a guy that's been shown to get on base like crazy, uh, you know, uh, have a fantastic strike zone and still hits with a little bit of power. So it was certainly something that uh, was huge for the city to kind of say, hey, we have one of the best players in the country in Cincinnati, which is, you know, when you're looking at the big payroll teams, you don't always get that. No, and yeah, it was, I was, I remember being so surprised that he won because <laughs> on in my mind, I was like, Joey Votto should definitely be the MVP, but he plays for Cincinnati so he's probably not going to win MVP. Right. But he won MVP, and just to go along with this, I don't think we should just also just take a look at Joey Votto's 2010 MVP season. Mm-hmm. That was the start of a decade of oh, dominance yeah. from Joey Votto. Joey Votto uh, has the uh, 428 is his on base percentage, first all time That's in the crazy. first first in the decade. Yeah, uh, he is uh, a 944 OPS, third this decade. He's got uh, 847 runs, third this decade. Uh, 1,046 walks, first for this decade. Walk percentage is 17%, first this decade. Strikeout to walk ratio is 0.96, first this decade. You know, the guy, like, say what you will about Joey Votto. I know it's not always flashy. I know it's not always pretty. But the guy (laughs) won the MVP in 2010. And since then, this entire decade has been one of the most dominant players in baseball because the guy gets on base and scores. Yeah. And that, Not he, always pretty, but... Yeah, but you look, I mean, he's one of those guys that knows how to hit to all, the fi- all fields, and if you look at his walk percent, you think about once every seven times he comes to, the, crazy. Comes to yeah. the batter's box, he's going to get a free pass, which is basically Insane. a free guy on base, and you look at this time where a bunch of guys are striking out and everything, he's the difference between maybe a 
a you know a solo home run mm-hmm. being a solo or a two run and those guys that get on base and you said all the runs that he had you know is ridiculous and it's something that's you know big for a team and it's one of those things when you said or uh i think when we mentioned you know the reds had 40 plus come from behind wins in 2010 a lot of that is a guy that can get on base and turn you know turn around the game real quick when you're getting that extra run or so he battles too he's always had you know he wears pitchers down like i think your point late in the game last thing you wanted to see was you know eighth inning joey Votto come up you're like man it's gonna be a 10 pitch 12 pitch at bat you know I mean, um, that there, changes it. there are 15 stats listed here before me on why Joey Votto was the player that because he was named the National League player of the decade. Mm. There are 15. It's your basic 15 you know, yeah. stats, plate appearances to strike out to walk ratio. Only five of those stats does Joey Votto not rank in the top five, oh, in, wow. not not in the National League in the MLB. Oh, wow. um, his worst stat on here is RBI 759 20th all time or 20th in, all in this decade. Uh, and then people that say the guy can't hit, he's got a 306 average this decade. Oh, fourth. yeah. That's, that's fourth. Yeah. And honestly, if you look at the RBIs, and I know home runs, he's more of a – and also, you know, there guy. are some of those guys that hit a lot of home runs, so he's not going to be in the top there. And RBIs, you have to realize, you know, during a lot of the decade, he was playing with some pretty terrible yeah. leadoff. You know, Billy Hamilton is like a 220 hitter. Yeah. So you're not yeah. going to be able to get those RBIs right. that other guys are. And also, he was a two-hitter. So he's one of those guys mm-hmm. that kind of set the table for the home right. run hitters so he and was always on base. Mm-hmm. Well, in some, and definitely the power's gone down lately, but like still a 516 slugging average leaves him at 13th this decade. So, like, say what you will about Joey Votto, and I know it's not flashy anymore, but that guy puts on for Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and deservedly so, is the National League player of the decade. And he comes in at number six on our top 20 Ohio sports moments of the past decade as we move into 2020. We wish you a happy holidays. We are moving into our top five mo- Ohio sports moments of the past decade at number five. All right, so number five, we have as our top baseball moment in Ohio of the decade. It is in 2016 where the Cleveland Indians won the AL pennant, uh, coming in kind of as a middling team able to beat the big bad Boston Red Sox and then take out the, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays with a heck of a game four start by kind of triple-A pitcher Ryan, Ryan Merritt. Cowboy Boots Merritt. Oh, Greg. I mean, you know, first of all, fuck you for being a Cubs fan. I don't even want to talk about that. We're not even going to talk about the actual we World won't, Series we won't res- point yeah. because God, the baseball gods, pissed on the Indians. But, um, no, I think, I mean, for me, up till that point... Uh, <laughs> The baseball gods pissed that, on the that Indians. That bullshit <laughs> rain delay, whatever. Anyway, um, no, we will talk because there were some great moments in the series too. But, I mean, um, where was I going with that? I don't know. Oh, for me, I mean, up to that point as an Indians fan, the only other thing someone my age had to go on that you can actually remember, none of us remember 95 or 97, uh, was 2007, just getting to the ALCS where we blew a 3-1 lead to Boston. Um yeah. That was a crazy... I remember, I remember going into that series against the Red Sox. No shot. You know, people forget uh, Carrasco was out. Um, and then, you know, Kluber basically had to carry that whole team the whole way. Um, and we somehow... They go into Boston. They, they're able to sweep the, the DS there. 
And then... Uh, then Bauer gets hurt right and before then Bauer the ALCS. Gets hurt, fucking with drones like a dumbass. Uh, yeah, he gets hurt. And then you're playing, um, you know, a Toronto team who, you know, was kind of a sleeper for most people. Um, they're able to win... Uh, they won that in five. Yeah, I believe they won the uh, they oh, wow. won the wild card and then were able to kind of roll through there. They were. And they, they were beat the, They beat the top team, the Rangers, so they were one of the best teams. You know, they were one of the hottest teams right. in the league at that I mean, point. you had Josh Donaldson in prime and Edwin Encarnacion. I mean, that was a hell of a team. And, you know, the Indians, obviously, then the Bauer cuts his finger and, you know, they're already shorthanded on the staff. And then uh, the, I don't remember who it was for Toronto, was it? Josh Donaldson or Carnassian. One of them said, uh, oh, I bet he'll be shaking in his boots. Uh, young Ryan Merritt yeah, goes yeah. out there. And, um, man, that kid pitched his heart out. Had nothing. I mean, that, he has nothing. <laughs> he doesn't throw much of all. But he was able to get through about five innings. And I remember the pop-up and Carlos Santana running down the first baseline and catches it and falls to his knees. I had never been more ecstatic in my life. I was out in California. I was throwing shit in my living room. Um then obviously the World Series did not go out the way we wanted it to go, but there were some many great moments during the series there. Um, you know, I remember sitting on my couch game seven, um, you know, after the Cubs had a pretty commanding lead at that point and just drinking away my sorrows, and they got a little run going, and then um, Rajay Davis against Chapman. Who oh, yeah. would have thought, thought that? I know. He chokes up. Takes it out to left and gone. That place went nuts. And Greg's walking out with his Cubs World Series sweatshirt, and I'm going to murder him. That's rude. That is terrible. Fuck you. With and, the vines, too? And oh, then man. the gods said, no, no, Cleveland. You can't have this. When they had all the momentum in the world, a bullshit rain delay. There wasn't even enough rain. I did, I did always think that that rain delay was, like, a little much. It wasn't... It was, it was driz- barely sprinkling. It was drizzling. And the Indians had all the momentum. The Cubs had a chance to finally regroup, and it didn't happen. But honestly, honestly, best World Series of the last two decades, though. That was a wild... Oh, yeah. That was a fantastic World Series. That was a wild series. series. It was a blast. As someone that uh, grew up with... Um, Two parents, one of which was a Cubs fan, one of which was an you Indians grew up fan. With two parents? Two of them. <laughs> Whoa. Two of them. Both. Some hey, I'm not here to judge one <laughs> or three family households or one or three parent households, okay? But uh them watching the World Series on different floors of the household so they wouldn't start screaming at each other was an absolute joy to watch on my end. But uh it was a super fun World Series and it was super fun for the city with uh all the excitement with uh, the Calder Cup and a certain other championship, we'll which we might later. get to soon. Yeah. But uh, a super fun time for the city. And it was mm-hmm. one of those things to just see, you know, Cleveland loves the Browns probably the most, but they certainly do love their baseball. And it was so cool to see the city kind of oh, rally yeah. around it's the It's an team. underrated baseball city. It is. It's a football city first and foremost. It always will be. But they, they'll come out for their tribe. Uh, 16 was quite the year for Cleveland, I will it say. It was, yeah. yeah I mean, that was a wild year. We talked year. about that when we were saying about the Monsters Championship, how it kind of set off a chain of events. But yeah. 16 was a, 2016 was a good year for Cleveland. So uh, m- moving on, we're in the top five of our top 20 moments from uh, Ohio sports moments from the past decade as we move into our 2020. Um, we are at number four. 
So uh, we mentioned earlier about the 2012 Sweet 16 having four Ohio teams, but uh, number four focuses just on the Ohio State Buckeyes basketball team. They were the team from that Sweet 16 able to make the Final Four. Um, unfortunately, fell in the uh, you know uh, Final Four to I believe it was Kansas, but still a great two. Yeah, a tight game. Really tight game, but still a, a great opportunity for mm-hmm. the Buckeyes. You know, it kind of been down after that back-to-back national championship losses in basketball, but able to come back and really put a good team together. You know, with Jared Solinger and some of those guys, and yeah. uh, really played their hearts out, and you know, almost made it to the finals the, there. Yeah, I mean, the 2012 team, Adamata's kind of teams where he got that was kind of towards the end of that run from oh, you know, oh six, oh seven to honestly, that was it. <laughs> really, well, this was kind of the last the last go round for him, yeah. um, unfortunately, um, and you know, it was kind of a team that people. Uh, Kind of came with. I remember coming with some expectations, but we're kind of like you know you really just had Jared Sullinger and Deshaun Thomas, um, Aaron Kraft. Um, they were a scrappy team and had some ups and downs though. They had some high points, some low points, but they got hot. Yeah, at I think the right I time. think what matters there is that you had Sullinger and Kraft. That that mm-hmm. was the year, and they got to March and they just hit the gas oh, yeah. hard, man. Like, they were rolling. That, that's one of the most impressive. Uh, like we talk about, you know, Xavier and some of these blue bud schools, how they always carry real good momentum into March. Yeah. I mean, you had Ohio State getting to March, and yeah, you had Sullinger and Kraft, and even some of the bench guys on that right. team just hit the gas hard in that tournament. And just you did not see that kind of domination no. coming out of them once you got to the tournament. Right, and it just came up just short. I mean, it, okay, they were number two seeds. I'm not trying to sit here and say, like, there wasn't. They were 29 right. and uh, – and, well, that's bad. Added up, was it, 29 and – Yeah, but they were – I mean, they were able to go through, you know, uh, a, a scrappy Gonzaga team, mm-hmm. obviously, um, you know – uh, Cincinnati ended up beating the number one seed uh, Syracuse, who was a very good team yeah, that year. They were to make it to the Final Four, and you know they probably they came were out playing of the some of bracket, the yeah. Honestly, yeah, and they were playing some of you know obviously you know in the Final Four you're you're playing some of the best, but they were able to just barely lose to a Kansas team that also gave the national champion you know Kentucky a run for their money, so. They were certainly a team that, you know, had the ball bounced a couple of different ways. Yeah. You know, potentially could have been national champions. I mean, they lost the Big Ten tournament game. Um, you know, they were 25-6. and six, Sorry, 25-6. and six, uh, Share of the Big Ten regular season with Michigan State and Michigan. Um, so, yeah, like you said, it wasn't a team that... And I think that's where people were stunned at is that they the Buckeyes really took a skid mm-hmm. right before kind of the, end, the tournament yeah. there. And then, then they yes, they were a two seed, but like when you looked at like schedule wise what they would have to run through in their yeah. section of the bracket were definitely like the two seed that was facing the toughest path. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I mean it yeah. was Incredibly impressive to watch them run through that all the way to the tournament. And that, that final four game was such a good game. Uh, and you look at it as heartbreaker. Kansas and Kentucky, like Kentucky had, you know, Anthony Davis on the team. Yeah, you looked at right, so many yeah. pros, and it was like, yeah, Solinger was a pro that for, was for a handful of years, yeah. but it was just like, you know, Aaron Kraft and a bunch of the scrappy guys. European so it was players. Certainly yeah. cool to see, you know, a team kind of come together, and you know, maybe being a number two, you're not exactly a Cinderella, but it, you know, seeing a team that wasn't the pro, you know, wasn't a pro team. It wasn't built like a fad lot of team in the past where you had all these lottery guys. Yeah, having those guys that were just, you know, 
good at working together and, yep. you know, finding a way to win. And that was kind of the, the end of the, the great motto run from 6 yep. to 12. Uh, they three That was the, the third Final Four. Never, never able to get over the top there. But, no, it was a fun run, and I think we might be back into it now. We'll see. They lost to Minnesota yeah, tonight, but... Uh, so far, so good. So who knows? Who knows? Uh, but we're cracking into our top three here. Uh, we're counting down the top twenty moments uh, for Ohio sports in the past decade as we near the twenty twenties beginning. As we hit the top three, we at Thirty Rack of Sports want to wish you a very happy New Year, and we wish you uh, much great fortune and great fortune to our Ohio sports teams that we all root for in this next decade. But we are in the top three of counting down of the 2010s. Uh, our next two come to you out of the year 2014 and uh, are some of the most exciting things that I think have happened to Ohio sports yep. in the past decade. So coming in at number three. This moment can only be described in two words as the return. I remember where I was. I remember being on campus. I remember driving back, you know, Tears I took my eyes. parents' house, tears in my eyes, listening to the radio, just being joyous, just not being able to contain my heartbeat, being so happy that, yes, LeBron James was coming back to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm coming home, coming um, home. I listened to that song no less than 100 times that summer. Everybody but did. But just being someone and... You know, being one of the guys that's a huge Cavs fan that just loves watching the team. I mean, I even watched the team this year as bad as you they do. are. You do. So, You're loyal. I'm a loyal fan. I remember being one of those guys that, you know, I remember where I was sitting when he made the decision. I remember just watching those teams and just not even being able to watch those teams in 2011 because I'd come They're home bad. from, you know, whatever practice and they'd be down. 25, 30, 40, 50 even at times. So having some hope back, yes, this team's good. And you you could feel in 2013 the team getting close to being a playoff team. And then you got the best player in the world on your team. And it was just the most exciting moment where it was just like, yes, yeah. Cleveland is back. The Cavs are back. I'm just so excited to watch it. And just to hear the whole city be so excited all the LeBron jerseys coming back out and just being so excited. I remember, you know, watching those first couple nights. I believe the first game was against the Knicks and they lost. But I was just, I remember like just telling people, hey, we got to watch this game. We got to oh, watch yeah, this game. Because yeah. I was so excited about that team. And we may get to one more moment with the Cavs, but I know as someone was. that was a huge Cavs fan, that it is still a huge Cavs fan. It was so awesome to see that team finally get something to break the right it was way. a redemption moment uh for all around for i think lebron for cleveland um we all remember you know we all remember the south beach incident uh yep. that was just a complete uh slap in the face to everybody um no yeah i, I think greg's i don't know if anybody could say more eloquent than you sir no, it was yeah. it was it was beautiful it was exciting it was, it, I mean, what's cool. Oh, if you think that's a way to describe it, we will get there. I, know, I, know, I when know, we When we look at, like, I think as we go through this countdown of the best moments, we look at some of the best moments, no matter where we've listed them in our countdown, some of the best moments are for sure when you see the state of Ohio come together and just lose their minds over 
so, something sports related. Like it brings us all together. And I remember how excited, you know, the Cavs are and the NBA team of Ohio. Mm-hmm. Like there is no other NBA team. Yeah. So, you know, to see the Cavs fans and just oh, yeah. Ohio in general rejoice that the best basketball player in the world, you know, the kid from Akron was coming home. It, just to see the level of excitement was, just yeah. just over one guy was, you know, a spectacle, really. And it honestly, was. looking at it, I know he's an Akron guy. And, you know, I know, you know, there was the, all the storylines they could do in Cleveland. But you look at the end of the day, having the best basketball player in the world say, no, I don't want to go my, to Miami. No, I don't want to go to Brooklyn. No, I don't want to go to, you know, any of these other places. Mm-hmm. I want to go to Cleveland, which yeah. is unbelievable because you never, you rarely ever see those guys say, hey, I want to go to Ohio. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. That never happens. So, yeah, I mean, we've, we've looked at plenty. We, there, we could do a show on, on the, fi- the 50 worst moments oh, for Ohio. Yeah. You know, like no one wants to come to Ohio, but the kid wanted to come home. And he he got the he trophy did. for the city. So whoa 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 guy. So we'll <laughs> we get, will get there. We'll get there. <laughs> First, we'll get we're there. gonna start with a different trophy when we go into our top at n- number two. Don't jump my Batman voice. Sorry, I was trying to go number and then you know get it in, but uh, we go into the first year of the college football playoff. The Getting in at the last second, probably with a big win over Wisconsin to be the number four seed, but rolling through the heavily favored Alabama Crimson Tide and and beating uh, Heisman winner Marcus Mariota and the Oregon Ducks to get the first ever college football playoff championship, the Ohio State Buckeyes Championship in 2014. Zach, I feel like you might have a (laughs) word or two to say. Oh, man, I've been excited to relive it because that's all I can do is relive things. Um, hoping this year turns out well. He's running to get another piece. I of, swear to God, if he's he, getting he's another gonna, piece, of he's going to run out and get um, another piece of memorabilia just to I mean, where, piss you where off. Where do you start with fourteen? Um, obviously, we all remember the Bod Tech game, which was I, I oh, remember watching man. that game and screaming and saying Urban Meyer should be fired. Like it was an embarrassment on national TV at night at home. JT Barrett looked completely unprepared for anything that was going to be thrown at him. That was what was so shocking about that yeah. game is that they looked as bad as they did. I, I never, even the Iowa loss and stuff, I never, that was, that was the worst I've ever, especially at home. And I yeah. remember thinking, well, shit, this year's over. And they just, every week got better and better and they caught fire at the right time. And then either back in the mix and then they, the Michigan game's over. I mean, it's, it's pretty much done. And then the injury. And all of a sudden, you see this kid that all we all knew about was he said, I don't play school. I didn't come here to play right. school, comes out, and he finishes you're like, off you're like, the oh game. like, oh, God, we're going to give it to this guy? <laughs> right. He finishes off the game, and, you know, the game was already over. But then I remember, I'm like, man, they got a, they got a, you know, you got TCU and Baylor ahead. I mean, uh, really, of them in the standings at that point. You're like, they got to put on a show with this goofy, I mean, he kind of was goofy. 12 gauge, call himself 12 gauge, and you're like, what the hell is this guy? And they go out. And I don't go to play school. We already hit on that. Yes, Greg walked away for a minute to do something. And, you know, and then they're playing uh, Melvin Gordon. Right. I mean, you're like, oh, man. And they, I've never, honestly, people talk about the offense putting 50 up. Go back and just watch the defense 
bottle him up with but i've never seen a more dominant that's what people forget is that you had the melvin gordon the you know the same melvin gordon from today that you know you know (laughs) we had that guy you were going up against in college he was a beast it was as good as he was his first couple years i mean he was running over everybody and he was one of those guys that like you could have i mean he probably had a better case for the heisman trophy than any of the running backs this year oh yeah yeah oh yeah yeah he was a monster and they bottled him up 50 nothing i remember sitting there the next morning on my dirty futon in the room i shared with my friend brooker at the tea cows watching the uh you know watching the the playoff committee, I'm ever thinking, there's no way. I don't, I just, with a backup, there's no way. That's the whole point of the committee, right? They're right. to take these things into account. Baylor and TCU did, besides the fact that the Big 12 didn't have a championship game that year. That was the only thing. Yeah, so you couldn't tell who was better between Right, and I think that's what got him in, and I just remember, oh, here we go again. You know, Big 10, High State's not fast enough to play at the SEC. Bama's going to roll them. It was all week you heard about, or for the whole month. And I, I was nervous. And then... You know, they got down. They were down. But, you know, then there was the uh, the Spencer throw to uh, Michael Thomas in the end zone on the reverse double route that tied the game up right before half. And I remember going insane, yeah, flipping I remember they out. Were, they were down pretty yeah. big early. And they then. were. And they, but they were, they were winning the game. They just had stupid penalties and turnovers. And then, you know, second half took the lead. And then Bama kind of got it right there. And then Zeke, 85 yards through the heart of the South. Eaten. Just eaten. Eaten. And I then, I mean, I wasn't even worried then about the Oregon game because I knew Ohio State was more physical than them. That was the de facto game. I mean, they just rolled Oregon. Oh, yeah. It was nothing. I mean, honestly, it reminds me of Miracle. That, was, that wasn't even a when question. When people talk about the Miracle game in hockey, people forget the Russia game was the, the semifinal. That wasn't even yeah, the championship. Yeah, and that's what I remember. Like That's why I feel like this feels like everybody kind of forgets that we had to play Oregon. Like, the Bama game was the national yeah, championship. Yeah, yeah, your, your, your national championship game wasn't actually the national championship right, game. It was, it was the fact that you were able to get there against all odds. Yeah. And then, yeah, I'd, and then take out Bama. That was... To take, the taking out Bama, that, that season was a season of over, overcoming I mean, everybody's yeah. low expectations, I Exactly. Think. Yeah, yeah. that's just one of those just, I mean, grinding through the rest of the year. And I, I know you mentioned it earlier with the Virginia Tech game, but it was just working hard through the rest of it and, you know, finding a way to make that's every statement thing. that you have to. Because yeah. those guys could have easily said, well, fuck. You know, I was keeping those guys ready to go week after week. But, oh, I feel good. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. We, we hope the rest of our listeners feel good, whether you are uh, out driving this holiday season or taking a step away from the family <laughs> or if you're enjoying a nice glass of nog with the family. Uh, we thank you for joining us on 30 Rack of Sports, your holiday season. We oh, hope that's this... what we should have gotten. We should have gotten some nog for this. Uh, we should have gotten some we nog. Up, oh, man, yeah. Uh, we are drinking our, our Bud Light that we hope was brewed in Columbus. Uh, we're going to say it was brewed in Columbus. Yeah, we're going to say it was brewed in Columbus. But uh, we hope you've enjoyed uh, this nostalgia ride with us as we count down the top 20 moments of Ohio sports from the last decade as we get ready to move into 2020. And, yeah, let me get a drum roll, please. The number one moment of the past decade in Ohio sports. Cleveland, this is for you. 2016, the Cleveland Cavaliers NBA championship. What an unbelievable run. Obviously, as we mentioned in uh, 2014, the king comes back. Mm -hmm. 2015, 
They have the series against the Warriors where Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving get hurt and, you know, they end up uh, losing that series just because there is nothing left. And then 2016, the big bad Warriors come in, 72-9, and and Cleveland, you know, works their way through to the championship like they should. But I remember game four, and I remember coming home and listening to the end of the game. And I remember sitting there at my parents' kitchen counter taking shots of Gentleman Jack because of how just (laughs) bereft I was because I thought this was our chance and we lost. We're done. Mm -hmm. Like, my dream of a Cavs championship is over. Oh, yeah. And then after that, they, you know, the, the Draymond Green stuff happens, which you may have your opinions. I'm sure most of you in Ohio say, yes, should have been suspended. He should have been, and I don't want to hear it. So they get the win in, in game five, and, you know, that, that was the big game I was worried about. And then game six, they, they get the win, and the whole time they start winning, I'm watching the game at my kitchen table on my phone because that's when they were winning, and I am mm-hmm. so superstitious that I will do every <laughs> bit of that. So I'm doing that. Game seven, I have to run out during halftime because I find a cockroach in my crappy old apartment. So oh. I'm running back and forth, watching this game on my phone, freaking out, having to walk away, walk across my, my apartment every time something bad happens because I'm, I'm just not in the right mind to even deal with any of it right now. But I remember sitting there, thinking the game was about to be out of hand, seeing the block by LeBron, and then after oh, that, that was amazing. After that three by Kyrie to go up, I was just like, "Are we really gonna do this? Are we really?" Because I expected him to, you know, oh, miss yeah. it. Steph to hit a three at the buzzer, and then finally, after it happened, it was just the biggest. It was just a huge relief because it was like, you know, I'm 21 years old, and I've heard about people, you know, oh, my team won this, my team won that. Mm-hmm. But this was the first real, my team won this. And I remember I had to be up early the next morning, but I was taking a champagne shower. <laughs> I was yeah. jumping around. I cracked open the champagne. I probably woke up all my neighbors just screaming and running around, and it was just an unbelievable moment. And then I think the second unbelievable moment for me was just watching all the videos of, you know, Mm-hmm. fathers and and sons and everybody going to the you know to downtown to do all of it and i know i unfortunately had to be out of town so i couldn't go to the parade but seeing hearing about my father going to the parade and seeing you know the millions of people oh, yeah. hanging off the, hanging off the bridges and everything and it was just a huge moment of relief for the city because you know cleveland had been known like some of the cities like detroit and some of those other places as a city of losers, but they mm-hmm. didn't, you know, Detroit has the Red Wings. Some of these other cities at least have the one good team. Right. Cleveland had nothing. No. So it was just one of those, you know, you look around at every turn, you see, you know, all the Browns' bad moments, all the Indians' bad moments, the Cavs getting close and then losing mm-hmm. their best player, and it was just a huge relief to the city to say, hey, we got it. Oh, this yeah. is our championship. We're winners for mm-hmm. this time. And I remember buying every piece of championship gear that I could have. I know right around the corner I have my my Cavs championship yep, flag yep. hanging out right here. So it was just a, an unbelievable experience for, for myself in the city and certainly one for Ohio in, in itself. Just, yeah. just to show you how, like, remarkable this championship was is that they had to come back in that series. Golden yeah. State had the home court advantage, and they were the team that set – 
as Greg waves the 2016 waves the flag championship around. flag around in, in our studio here. The, the Warriors had set an NBA record that year of mm-hmm. uh, most regular season wins. They're 73-9. and nine. That's insane. Yeah. They jumped out to a 2-0 lead and set a record just doing that. It was the largest combined margin of victory through two games in the NBA Finals, a 48 margin of victory, you know, to overcome that. And then you lose the third game, and, you know, you're down 3-1. to one. Yeah. You know, they, I mean, they hadn't lost three games in a row. I, I don't even think they've lost they, – outside of the Thunder series, in the regular season, I don't even think they've lost back-to-back games. No. They lost more than nine games in the playoffs. So they lost more games in, you know – 25 games than they lost in the entire 82 game season so not only all of that they had to go on the like i said the warriors had home field advantage in this or Mm -hmm. home court advantage in this it was the first time in almost 40 years since 1978 that game seven was won by a road team and yeah i mean like you said greg i mean for for the city of cleveland like since 1964 it was the first championship of any kind major championship let's not leave the monsters out <laughs> uh it was the first major sports championship for the city yeah. since 1964 in the december, first in franchise history december 27th 1964 okay fun, All right. little, fun little story with that my godmother and aunt was born on that day no. so at that point uh my grandmother went into the hospital to have the baby and uh the doctor went, look, I've got tickets to the Browns championship. <laughs> We're having this baby. So they had the baby, and the doctor made it in time for kickoffs. Nice. So nice, nice. I mean, I was, I was in the Bay Area. I was living in California at the time, and my in-laws came in. Uh, and so we spent a week uh, around the Bay Area and then another week um, just a little ways away. So the first half of the week, I got to see the down 3-1 and hearing shit from people. They'd be like, where are you from? Ohio. Oh, heard that town. And it was just, it was really awesome to see that come back. And then obviously LeBron, the emotion after the the hug with Kevin Love yeah. and just the pure. It's about damn time. Yeah, I think it was. Um, you could tell it meant more than when he won, even this first one in Miami. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it yeah. Was it was just such a relief whole, from here. You yeah. could see everything kind of, all the emotion kind of come out yeah. of him. Well, and and you also see just for him, you know, he won the NBA Finals MVP, but he also mm. like his performance in the finals was so historic in oh, itself. Yeah. He had become the uh, first player ever in NBA history to lead all players in a playoff series in points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. You know, like. We talked about number three on our list was the return of LeBron James. Number one is this. Like, LeBron James brought that back for this city, won the first championship Mm -hmm. since 64 for this city, and put on really a historic finals series comeback that I don't think you'll ever see again. You don't see that from anyone. And I know, you know, there's the MJ versus LeBron, and we're not here to take that debate in any time. But you look at... You know, he did something that even Michael didn't right. do. So no. that's how you can tell he's one of the best players I mean, ever. I'll tell you what's going to be burned into my mind, brain for the rest of the life. There's those few sports sports moments that are just burned in to every sports fan's mind. It's going to be the block and angle. I don't know. I've never seen any. I remember seeing it go down, and you're like, oh, man. They like, gave up yeah, an easy way, and then he just comes out of the frame, and you're like, oh. I'm not even a huge NBA guy, but yeah. I, I I'll I'll f- never forget I'll never forget the that block, and I'll mm, never forget no. LeBron's f- 
the look on his oh, face yeah. and the emotion when he hugged Kevin he Love yeah, yeah. and through all those interviews and it's about damn time and Cleveland, this is for yeah. you. Just it was awesome it to was, see that. It was seeing the, everybody run around, seeing the parade, yeah. just seeing hey, yeah. the pure joy on everybody's face. I think face. it was obviously the number one moment. So yeah. like we said. All right. Well, the Cleveland Cavaliers winning the 2016 NBA championship is your number one Ohio sports moment of the decade. We've been counting down the top 20 moments of the past decade uh, as we move in to the 20s. Uh, any parting takes, gentlemen? Yeah, so uh, I'm going to throw a little curveball at you guys and uh, be sure to throw your top moments mm-hmm. of Ohio I'm sports sure into, the, in, you know, into the comments. Uh, please rate, subscribe, you know, talk about it with your friends. What's your favorite moment? But uh, we're going to do one little poll here for the fans. We're going to do what was your favorite Christmas gift that you got as a child? going to throw you guys on the spot here real oh, quick. Uh, Josh, we're going to start with you. What was the favorite gift that you got as a child? Um, I will never forget um, the Christmas morning where we, my brothers, uh, we all got a Nintendo GameCube. It was the first um, you know, gaming mm-hmm. system that we ever had. And I can remember that morning uh, playing, I believe it was Madden 06, uh, just playing that game all Christmas morning with my brothers, um, you know, and I, and I even think about it now, like now that me and my siblings all live in different locations, like mm-hmm. you don't get to play, you know, the Saturday morning NFL or college football games that you used to play as kids and yeah. having that for the first time that Christmas morning, I'd say the Nintendo GameCube and, you know, those kind of moments, I think would be my favorite Christmas gift. Zach, what about you? What are we going for? Uh, I'm going to go, not quite similar, but I'm going to go when I got my Nintendo um, Game Boy. Oh, the Game the Boy. Color, Game yeah. Boy Color. Oh, Game yeah. Boy Color. And I remember I got Madden and uh, I don't remember which one, one of the Pokemon games. I remember, like, that was just out. Didn't think I would get one. I was like, no way. And just the joy that it brings children. To see toys and it, it makes me sad because I don't I don't care about gifts anymore. Honestly, right, right, yeah. we don't get excited anymore. But right. I remember like being how excited you used to get. Greg, what, what was All your right, favorite? So uh, I was thinking the first, and I was thinking about the PlayStation Two that my brothers and I got. But Ooh, I would say if there was one gift that gave me the most pure joy, and if people have listened to this, they know I'm a basketball guy first and foremost. I had been begging my parents for years and years to get a basketball hoop. And I remember Christmas Day came. It was not, you know, it was not snow or anything. I remember opening up a long box, realizing that it was a basketball hoop, begging my parents to set it up (laughs) and just shooting around and just the pure joy of saying, yes, I don't have to, you know, bug my friends or try to find a park or something. I have a basketball hoop right here. And I will tell you for sure that I wore that thing out. I mean, it obviously worked because you're sitting here with us, so (laughs) it was good money well spent. (laughs) Yeah, I I think uh, that that might have been the whole 5-9 thing that kind of took me Uh, back, but you know. I I was about to say, I was like, I've I've played basketball with this guy. He's a good basketball player, but uh, his stature. His stature. (laughs) Yeah, the the whole, the, uh, the one way to describe my basketball game, I think, is very... Accurately described by uh, Wayne Knight in uh, Space Jam. I may be small, but I'm also slow. (laughs) So with that, we're going to wrap up here. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you guys have a happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Festivus. 
Kwanzaa, whatever you all may uh, celebrate. We want to thank you so much for spending a little bit of that time with us here at 30 Rack of Sports. Happy holidays. Yes, cheers to the new decade, and uh, we'll be back in a, in a week with a regular episode. So 30 Rack Sports, uh, get us your opinions at 30 Rack Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and share with your friends. Peace. 30 Rack out. Out.